0: Uh, My name's Phil Nelson. For those of you who are visiting, so glad you could be with us today. I'd like to just ask you a question that is going to basically start us off on this journey through the book of Ephesians. Here's the question. Y'all ready? How would you live your life if you knew you only had a month left to live or less? How would you live your life if you knew your days were numbered to a month or less? And as you think about that, let me ask you this. Would things change? Would what you're doing right now would it have a whole different Perspective and meaning. Would you work as late as you do and sacrifice the time with your kids and your family when really in a month's time all that will be gone? What would you do? How would you prioritize your life? Would your schedule book look different? Would your checkbook, I know we don't have checkbooks anymore. Would your bank account look different? Would the people that you invest in and hang out with be different? Because the truth of the matter is all of us that have a heartbeat and breathing oxygen will one day stop breathing, and our hearts, physical hearts, will stop beating and pushing blood throughout our entire body. And the spirit within us will leave this cavity and move on to an eternal dwelling. That's what matters. And in the last 10 years of ministry, I have done literally over a dozen of funerals. And every time, at every single funeral, I watch people stop and rewind the tape of their lives and think, if this could happen to the person right there, how am I living my life that is going to make a difference? You see, friends, there's two results that you're going to face as you look into the life that you've lived from start to finish. One is going to be regret. Are you going to have regret of how you lived your life? Because sadly, one of the biggest statistics is this. One of the greatest regrets in life is not living your life to the full. Not doing what you wanted to do with your life. Well, today, on October 14th, we have that chance to start afresh. How? will you live your life? Because this life as we know it in our physical bodies will come to an end. And my wake-up call was in 2003. It was in the fall. A buddy of mine who was actually going to play classical guitar in Lauren and my wedding, his name was Kurt Hockey, And uh, he was an elder of the church where I was uh, volunteering and leading worship at Shallow Community Church in Pennsylvania. Anyone from there listening, I love you all, miss you. He was the worship leader on electric guitar. He was an elder there. But more importantly, he was a mentor of mine. He held me accountable for my actions. He coached me this young, anxious, boy who was getting ready to get married had no clue what living was like and one day, one Monday morning he went to work and his heart bursted and he collapsed to the floor never to breathe again did I mention he was 40 years old he just turned 40 Everything in front of him. Man, he was going to pastor a church. He was a dynamic teacher. And man, he was going to play at my wedding. And he was gone. From this earth. In a moment. But here's the thing. What Kurt Hockey did with his life at age 40 most people at age 80 never get. Kurt Hockey lived every waking moment to reflect and look like his Savior, Jesus. In a real, practical, raw, imperfect fashion, he did it so effortlessly, So awesomely, if that's a word. Kurt demonstrated in his marriage, in his work life, in his friendships, what mattered most. And that was being with Christ first and foremost. And loving others as Christ. Never did he talk a negative word about anybody. It was always about the love of Christ. And so as I reflect on my brother, my dear friend, Kurt Hockey, I ask myself this question and I ask you today. How will you live your life now? And for for the rest of the moments that you have here, think about it. Because that's what matters most. Everything else will pass away. And here's the thing. You have a choice. And I want you to do something crazy with me. I want you to repeat after me. I have a choice. I have a choice. Now with everybody, let's do it again. I have, I have a choice. That is one thing that Lauren and I have a pact That no matter what mood, what attitude, what argument, whatever we're doing, the other person can say to them, of course, with love, you have a choice. It does not matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter what circumstances, whether hell or heaven in your life, hell or paradise, disaster, darkness or light, you have a choice in how you respond, how you think, how you act, how you behave, and how you treat others. It's your choice. I stood in front of a bride and groom yesterday, and I told them, this is your life. This is your marriage, this is your journey. And you choose to have God at the center or not. You have a choice. And today we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. We're in a chapter a day right now. Today we're in 1 Thessalonians 5. So I'm not confused. I just feel like we can't skip over Ephesians. Ephesians is jam-packed with truth about how we are to live our lives. Because they're short And they're passing. And it's our choice. And it matters. So the first way that the Apostle Paul instructs the readers to live their lives is this. Live your life in the reality of forever. And this goes so perfectly with what Dennis preached last week through Colossians. If you don't know what forever looks like. And you would like to get a glimpse of that, you need to listen to the message of last week. Live in the reality of forever. Ephesians 5, feel free to turn there. I'm going to stay in Ephesians 90% of the way. We're going to go back and forth a little bit. But if you have your Bibles, I really encourage you to pull that out. And there's connect cards in your, the front flap in front of you. I'm okay if you use that as a notepad. Do whatever you need to do to take this with you. Because guess what? Today is passing. What you do now matters. Ephesians 5 says, so be careful how you live. Could you say be careful with me? Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Paul's saying, be careful. Take heart. Like, be serious about taking inventory of your thoughts. Your patterns of behavior. What your kids are imitating and getting from you. Be careful. Don't look like the fallen world that is against God and hostile to God. Our time is short and running out. And you know what? I understand that those words coming from me don't mean a lot to you. But if you don't believe me that time is running out and time is short, just ask the wife or the husband who lost their spouse of 40 years and asked them, and they would tell you, time flew. It was like yesterday they were standing at the altar, pledging their vows to one another, and he or she is gone. Time is running out. Don't believe me? Ask the parent who lost their child. Life. So in front of them. Gone. You never know when God is going to orchestrate your last breath. Don't believe me? Believe Kurt Hockey. He lived for the moment of his last breath. He lived for that. Because he lived in the reality of forever. And I wanted to recreate an illustration that I've seen time and time again. I've done before. But you know what? After watching the video, I was like, you know what? No one can do it and say it better than Francis Chan. And so... In the idea of living in the reality of forever. Watch this.
1: Imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now, imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. And you see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know what? I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that, and you're thinking, oh man, I'm gonna get to travel, am I gonna eat well, am I gonna do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about th- what about all this stuff? It's just—it's crazy to me because because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions, and go, "Oh, you're so stupid," because that's going to really affect this. I go, "No, you're stupid," because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look, I look at the way people live, and I go, "Wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to, you're going to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing." If you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb,
0: the soap opera I was raised on got it right. You have one life to live. It's so true. Thanks, Mom. How will you live your life? Here's the thing you get to choose. Will you make it count? And will you live your life with forever as your reality? Point number two that Paul makes in Ephesians 1. Is this. Live your life in the hope of Christ Jesus. There is only one hope. There is only one hope. There is only one name. There is only one God who can save. Is your hope in that? Or is it of something temporal? Because if it is, where your hope lies is who you are. Worship. Let me say that again. Where your hope lies is the thing or the person you worship. Everybody worships. I heard it said. I think it was in our Fight Club book. There is no atheist. Every single human being was created to worship. It's what you worship. How are you living your life? And there's only one hope. In the hope of Christ Jesus. And we see this so clearly in Ephesians 1. I'm going to go fast. Here it is. He chose us. That should give us hope. Even in the ugliness and the perversion of our sin, He chose you and me. Before the foundations of the earth, He chose you. He loved and loves you even though you rebelled against him and you spit in his face while you were yet sinners, he loved you. And he gave up his son's life for you. Who would give up his son for anybody? I don't think so. God Almighty gave his perfect life Only begotten divine Son who created all things. And by him and for him, all things were created. And by him, all things hold together. He gave up his Son for you because he loves you and he chose you to be with him forever. Is hope rising? Inside of you, He chose you. He loved you. He gave up His Son for you. And He adopted you as His own. Not children of wrath, not sons and daughters of disobedience, but children, saints of the high God, most high God. Children, citizens of heaven. You have a new name. You have value. And Ephesians 2 shows us the hope that we have. And I hope you get this. And God gave me these words as I was studying Ephesians. And so I just want to read them off the page. But just try to soak them like a sponge. This is why we can have hope. His blood bought us forgiveness His favor that we don't deserve brought us a second chance at life, such a precious gift. His wisdom and insight to his heart and his ways have been poured into your hearts by his spirit. He came to your rescue. He washed you clean. He freed you from every guilt, every fear, every shame. He claimed you as worthy and of highest value. And he spelt your salvation written out in blood. It is finished. His unconditional, sacrificial love pursuit of your heart gives you hope for your life right now, for your future life, and the life after this life on earth. You see, you can have such incredible, irresistible, and unwavering hope despite all circumstances. Despite all trials, despite all feelings, there is a lifestyle of hope that only our Savior, Jesus Christ, can give. Will you live your life in the reality of forever? And will you live your life in the hope of Christ? Because it's your life to live. What will you choose? Make it count. I pray. Now there is a different kind of living that this hope offers. And I want to share it with you through an illustration with crutches. Good thing Jim lowered them because I think they would be too high. But uh, you did lower them? Oh, they wouldn't go any lower. Thanks. Thanks. You know what? Go out and come back in and get a guest bag. Let's start all over, okay? (laughs) Fill out a Connect card, okay? (laughs) When you believe that Jesus is Lord and you receive him as Lord of your life, that means you're literally dying to yourself. You're putting off your old self and you're coming alive. Your spirit man that lives on forever comes alive. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God's presence comes and abides with everyone who proclaims Jesus as Lord. And these crutches I'm going to illustrate as the spirit of the living God. Just think internal, spiritual crutches. The spirit of God lives inside of every believer. It won't leave you. You can leave it. It will never leave you. Because the power. Of the blood of Jesus. Cannot be taken away. And it's inside of you. It's your support system. It's your strength. It's your gateway to power. Victory over sin. Victory over this world. It is your foundation in which you stand. And we can choose as followers to walk in our own power, in our own strength, in our own abilities, in our own pride and status and title. We can walk in that and still have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, but you're not activating it. Why? Because you're not depending on the power of God. In your life, you're not walking in the hope of Christ Jesus. You see, you can also walk with the Spirit inside of you by what you think about yourself and what you believe your identity is. Do you know how many times I hear this in my life? I'm disqualified. Man, I messed up this week. Who am I to stand before a congregation and present myself as holy? I can't do that. I got sin in my life. I'm inadequate. I'm unworthy. Have you ever thought that? I don't have value. Who am I to think that God would really love me? And sooner or later you forget that you even have the Spirit of God in you. And these crutches become rusted and old, and you don't even know how to use them. But if we live in the hope of Jesus Christ, and we live with forever in mind that he came for, that he died for, and he bought for, and he rolled out of the grave alive for, then we can start leaning on God and our identity and say, I am chosen, and I am loved, and I am forgiven because God gave himself up for me, and I am a child of the living God. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and all of a sudden, you're not walking in your own strength anymore. You're living with the hope of Christ, and you're leaning on it. But you have a choice to walk in the truth and the power of God or to walk in the ways and patterns of this world and by your own understanding. Let me ask you, what will you choose? You choose. Will you make it count? We live in the reality of forever forever. We live in the hope of Christ. And finally, friends, we live to imitate Jesus Christ. If you're living with the forever in mind and you have Christ dwelling with you in, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're a temple of the living God, and you're walking in the reality of Christ and the hope of Christ, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start looking like Jesus. Do you know that your kids will one day, if not already, look like you? Act like you? Talk like you? Oh, Lord, help us all. How are you living? And I would ask you, who you worship and who you follow, you will become Who you love and adore above all things, who you put in the prime spot of the account in your life will be who you become. My prayer is that if you're living... In reality of forever, and you're living in the hope of Christ that you will become more and more and more and more like Christ. And Ephesians 3 through 6, the rest of the chapter, talk about that. Ephesians 5 1 through 2 says this Imitate God. Would you say that with me? Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live life filled with love, following, following, following who's the leader of your life. Because whoever is the leader of your life, that is who you're going to follow. Sadly, can I say this? Sadly, we follow our kids. And we wonder why we're living childish, immature lives. And our kids are leading us. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself. Offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. So if we're to imitate God, we're imitating Jesus. And we're offering ourselves as a sacrifice. And when that happens, church, and there are so many around you that are living lives like this... There's an aroma that comes out of them. And it doesn't smell like a sewer plant. It is a sweet, welcoming, comforting, beautiful aroma. And that only comes from living with the forever in mind and living in the hope of Christ and living to be like and grow like Jesus. We need to get past ourselves. And lean wholly on him. We need, we need to imitate Jesus, church. Our, our world is dying without hope. Who are they looking to? Us. Do they see Jesus? Or do they see just another human going through the motions? Do we look like? Do we talk like? Do we act like the Savior of the world? Because you can, because the power of the Spirit inside of you, that's the design for your life. To look like Jesus. Will you make it count? Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, just kind of Scroll there to Ephesians 4 if you have your Bibles out. Verses 2 and 3. This gives us insight of what it looks like to imitate Christ Jesus. It's one thing to say, grow into the image of Christ and act like him. It's another to put practicals, to put handlebars on this. And so the rest of our time is going to be the handlebar application practical time. So please listen up. Ephesians 4 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Sounds like Ephesians 5.15 that we read. Make the most of every opportunity. Be careful how you live your life and Ephesians 4:15 instead we will speak the truth in love would you read this it's the next one do, do i have it no i don't instead we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Jesus we will love like Jesus and we will grow more and more like Jesus in every way so here it is what does it look like to imitate Christ Find some of these things that you can begin to apply in your own life. You have a choice. You choose to love others based on the value that God places on them. What does this look like? For while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And so we love others not by what we see, but by the value God puts on them. It doesn't matter if they believe the opposite political party than you. It doesn't matter how they're living their life right now, as disgusting and gross and just totally the opposite of what you know you're supposed to live your life. It doesn't matter. You're not the judge. God is, and He sent His only Son to judge for us, to take our place, to take on the judgment of wrath. And so we love not based on someone's sexuality. Hello? We love not based on what someone's doing to you or saying about you. We love because Christ first loved us and he loves every single person who would even spit in your face because of what you believe because that's what we did to our Savior Jesus and he still died. For us. You choose to stop your very important yard work. Hello, Phil. I get focused in my yard work. And you choose to stop when a neighbor is coming over to vent about another neighbor. And you listen. And you love them. And you get to know them. That's what imitating Christ looks like. When you're in a hurry, and you're at the grocery store, cashier lane. And guess what? Someone else behind you is in a little more hurry than you are. You take a deep breath, and you say, let me show love. And you let them go before you, even though you're in a hurry. And you smile on your face, and you don't quote them Bible verses. And you say, you matter. I looked at a lady this week at Kohl's. And she was a mess. She couldn't get anything right on the computer screen. Was filling out a new credit card because you get 30% off. I had to buy a suit for a wedding. I was in line there for 22 minutes. And I kept saying to myself, man, Jesus, let her see. Let her see you. And guess what? Right after I prayed that, a tear came down. And she says, I'm miserable. I've been divorced. And I'm bitter. I'm just a customer going through. <laughs> Did I, did I, did did it, did I give her the gospel message? No. I said, you know what? She said, this is is what, this is what she said. She said, I'm bitter. I said, no, you're not. You're loved. She looked at me and she goes, what do you do? (laughs) I said, I'm a pastor. She goes, I would have never known. And I said, you're loved. You have meaning. And she says, I'm Catholic. And I said, we're on the same team. You're loved. That's how you imitate Christ. And the more that I can do that, the more I can even say to you, just follow me like Paul. Do what I do. I'm not there yet, so don't do what I do. You allow. When you're you're at the store, maybe it's just me, but I'll walk past things and all of a sudden things will just fall off the shelves. Oh, like I didn't do anything. And I could so easily just keep going and say, you know what? This is what they pay workers for. But you know what? I'm living my life for Christ. And if that means pleasing God, I'm going to pick up those things and put them back. When no one's watching. Because he's watching. That means picking up a piece of trash in front of you that someone else can pick up. I love this scripture on the screen. It's 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask you and and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. You're to please God. Do it more and more. You're to please God. Christ came to please his father. Imitating Christ is sometimes. Is sometimes seeing a kid that just looks really lost and confused. And just ask them if they're okay. Because they're watching you. Church. Imitating Christ, and I say, this, I say this with all love, but we, we need to get down to the brass tacks. Imitating Christ is coming to church rather than coming to get what you can get out of it and stuff your spiritual faces, and I don't mean that in a harsh way. Well, I guess I do. Of what you can get out of it. What about choosing to reflect the humility of the Savior who took the form of a servant? And who is the servant focusing on? Himself? No. The others he's serving. And pour out your heart to bless others. In doing so, you lift the ultimate servant, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, up in your life. And guess what? That's what people will see. I'm going to step further on your toes. How about making the choice not to post a justified slam on someone or a party or a group of people on social media, but choosing self-control? Rather than going out of your way to prove or justify yourself to say, look at me. How about prove who you're really worshiping and forgive them and love them? How do you forgive the unforgivable? You imitate Christ, who counted his equality with God, not a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself, he became a servant, was found in human form, and became obedient to God, even death on a cross. Imitating Christ means to be okay with being judged because you don't talk the same, you don't walk the same, you don't act the same. And being okay with that, of representing Jesus. And now, gentlemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna step on your toes. Just know that I love you and I'm fighting with you and for you. And this is for ladies too. I'm gonna focus on both of you. Ephesians five, verses three through four. Are you with me? Here we go. Let there be no sexual immorality impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place with God's people. How are you living your life? Obscene talk, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. This isn't legalism. This is imitating Christ. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Guys, reflecting Christ. All men, reflecting Christ in your life, is choosing to love and respect women. Oh, I'm getting to you next with ladies. I'm kidding. kidding. If you are not married, and you are dating, or living with somebody, Who's not going to be your wife. And you know that God hasn't called you to be their wife. Keep it in your pants. Okay? What I'm saying here is even if there are going to be your wife. And you haven't laid down your life yet. And entered into a covenant relationship with your soon to be wife. Treat the woman as you would want her future husband to treat her. It's okay. You don't have to clap. Treat the woman as you would want the guy who's with your future wife to treat her now. When we imitate Christ as husbands, we truly lay ourselves down as living sacrifices for our wives. That's how we imitate Christ. We serve them and we lead them. Women, ladies, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Philippians 2 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but as to the interests of others. Living as Christ is making a choice to love the man in your life not the way he's loving you back. Or how you want to be loved. It's loving that man for the value that God has placed on that man in your life whether he's your husband or not. If he is your husband loving him as Christ is respecting him and supporting him and valuing him, and being his biggest champion, even if he's not your champion. That's imitating Christ. Not talking about abuse, not talking about harm, not talking about any domestic issue like that. That's a whole different story. So let me ask you, church, as the band comes up, what would happen What would happen here in Blanchester, Ohio if it started with us right here in Elevation Community Church and it went viral to the Blanchester Nazarene, to the Christ Church, to Blanchester Methodist Church, to the Tabernacle, to the Baptist Church, and it just became viral? What would happen if we began to imitate and reflect Jesus In all things, your life would change. And everyone who encounters you will encounter the risen Savior. You don't need a gospel track, y'all. You don't need to know the Bible. Now, it's the word of God, and it can be active in your life. But if you know Christ Jesus, that's all you need to know. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Live as Jesus and love radically, relentlessly, and recklessly. And I promise you, people will come to know Jesus because they experience you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may they see Jesus in our hearts. Above all else, God, tune our hearts to reflect your heart. Let us walk in step with your Spirit. And right now as we respond and worship, oh God, I pray that you would speak to every single heart right now how to live our lives in the reality of forever, in the hope of Jesus Christ, and in walking and growing more and more like Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.